0: We are now listening to Herd on Hive. Let's get ready to rumble! Let's get ready,
1: ready, let's get ready, ready, let's get ready to rumble! Thanks for tuning in. This month we're exploring all things comedy related because it's August, which means only one thing, the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. So whether you're a budding comic, screenwriter, an avid joke teller, or you just fancy a laugh, you're in the right place. Coming up, we're featuring a very exciting film comedy festival and the Northern Irish stand-up comedian Shane Todd. But 1st up I'll be headed to the Banana Cabaret Comedy Club for an exclusive preview of the Edinburgh Fringe show Funny for a Girl. Good evening comedy goers
0: and welcome to
2: Banana Cabaret's fifth annual Ballum Comedy Festival, it's like Cracker Jack, you have to go bonkers. <laughs> Fantastic, we're delighted to see you, um, our festival would just be going nowhere without our lovely audiences and those of you who are here to see uh, the shows of people that you're not necessarily going to see on the panel shows and the TV or what have you, in the huge theatres, we call you the discerning comedy going public, that's what you are, you're here to see the stars of the future or simply the comedians comedians and that's what we've got tonight we have got a trio of absolutely superb women comics we've been so looking forward to this getting them all together in one go um i'm here to introduce them and then i'm going to leave them to themselves they're known collectively this show is known as funny for a girl and i want a huge
3: round of applause i am sindhu V. <laughs> I'm Jade Adams, <laughs> and I'm Mary Burke. You can't see this, <laughs> listeners, but we've all said each other's names. It's the essence of comedy. What's the difference in porcupine and hedgehog? They're more painful if they stab you in the bum. Porcupines. They don't have those long things, hedgehogs, right? I don't know. I think porcupine came out because behind you, it's a picture of a tree that has like spiky. Tr- it doesn't, but that I saw is that. It's a
2: banana. It's a oh. banana tree.
3: Comedy, I do it because I was ignored as a child and now someone's put a microphone in my hand and now I'm no longer ignored. How, why do you do it, Mary? We all have a hole in ourselves, old. that's why we do Our
2: souls are in ourselves,
3: Every, is everywhere. <laughs> why do you do comedy, Cindy? Why do
2: I do it? Yeah. I do it now because I like it, but I started doing it because I had three little kids and just, no one cared about me I, I, I was invisible between the kids and all that stuff and then one day there was an email from someone and they said there's a workshop for funny women and I was like can we drink after she said yeah fine and then I went and then and then off we went from there So, but I mean I've read so much now about why comics do what they do and what does it mean and I don't know if I can depression mainly It's a lot of that going yeah, on yeah
3: self-medicating <laughs> with laughter. <laughs> it is but it is like an addiction it is so. it is it's like drugs it's better than ecstasy I haven't ever done ecstasy but one's no, done ecstasy don't cut that. I I've I've never done any drugs. I've never done any drugs. No, there's kind of some drugs
2: for after the show. I'm very scared of drugs. drugs. I'm I'm very scared of drugs. drugs. No, but it is very, very compulsive because it is very compulsive and it's very addictive. And I think that I think that if you're gonna be a comic in the long run, you're tapping into that part of yourself and that's fine because you know you could be doing I don't know meth. This is better.
3: Sometimes it's better, but sometimes it's not better. I think that... You, like. I mean, I'd say that the three of us in here were funny people, but you But do you there are there
4: loads of funny people in the world who don't feel the urge to, get, to get up. Today. My mother. That's a different but thing. Th-
2: that's what I mean. I know those
3: funny edition. men and women
4: who... Would, they're funny, like, socially, but they would never have that urge to go and see the approval of strangers. That's a different thing altogether. Yeah, that's not so so just to be funny and also get the approval of strangers, which
3: is never going to fill... I mean, you'll always be lucky. You're always chasing something that's not there. I like earning 200 quid for 20 minutes' work. I'll be honest with you. I just I can't work with people, so this is perfect. I can't I've, I can't work for anyone. I can't conform to people's rules. I don't want to be told what to do, what to wear, how to be, when my break is. I don't want any of that. I want to be able to do what I want, when I want, and how I want to. And you know, people may judge me for that, but I get to wear lycra on stage, and I'm happy about that. Listen to that applause from the other, like that. Marcus Bridstock, do you want to go and podcast uh, him? <laughs> <in? laughs> I, um, I did a line, and Russell Howard's a girtlash Lash Christmas. I love the
4: way you shoehorn that
3: in. No, wait, wait, here's the line. Ready, Mary? Here, does Mark's porno only affect dogs? Did you have loads of live readings for that, or did you just kind of. I had a rehearsal. What? They brought me in for rehearsal. Did you have to do a backstory and everything, or they just. I gave myself a backstory. But you, you're so pro. I, as in, I told everyone that if they were going to do a spin off of the show, I think they should call it Kelly. And then um, it never happened. They didn't, they didn't get past the pilot, but you know, I had my line. It's a good line. It's a good line. Like, I'm trying to be funny with this. It sounds more braggy, doesn't it, than it is funny. Yeah,
4: because you're like the boasty bitch, but well, we're all like, <laughs> I wish I really
3: modest. You're like, well, I've been on telly. <laughs> they were a lovely the audience for a preview, anyway. They, well, they were, they were nice. lovely. And four, like, 15-year-olds. I oh, or oh, Four 15-year-olds in the front row, like, just... And
2: one of them was not English-speaking.
3: No. She got on her phone at one point. I wanted to ram that phone right so up really her nostril. Hard. But you're not allowed to touch them, are you? No. Kids. And it's three
2: yours. But I do think all comics at some point have been in a situation where they felt powerless or or disconnected or unheard.
3: Everyone in the world has felt that way. But some people don't care about that. But every single person in the entire world has gone through something. I remember someone saying to me at gig, I just want to be heard, and I thought that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Hurt. I did an update the other mean, day. It was a man as
4: well. It was like it was a really kind of vulnerable. What thing. a white
3: man? Yeah, a whi- I just a want white, to be heard. straight
4: guy. <laughs> yeah. I, kind of, I just, I just want to be. But he was kind of geeky and kind just of. Just say words, imagine. mate. They'll listen. No, but I just want to be heard. Like there's so much noise in the world, I just want to be heard. Wow, wow. Poor straight white men. We speak for them. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Your sarcasm is great. So
4: yeah, um, I'm doing a, <laughs> I'm doing a play called uh, She Come On First, a female mercenaries. So if you like women in uniforms, come on. Up. When, where? It's uh, 20 past 12, it's down 6. And, uh, two and three are monologues with myself and my present husband.
3: I'm on the Voodoo Rooms in the French Quarter. That's maybe a lovely
4: venue as well. Yeah, it's yes, really lovely.
3: I only hang out there. Lots of comedians go to all these bars and stuff. I just hang out in the Voodoo Room and get smashed on this Brazilian martinis for a month. So you basically. get a discount on the drinking? Yeah. Well, basically, I just like, go, give me another one. And they give me another one. I'm making myself out to be some sort of drug-addled alcoholic. I am not. I'm very, like right now I've got a glass of wine in my hand because I just did a preview and so I'm feeling a bit wired, so. Can you tell the time of the show? Oh yeah, sorry. the thing on? Show? Okay, Cindy V. 10:30 p.m in the french quarter the show's called jade 31 and that's all you need to know that and uh some people have found it funny it's a great show thanks very it's much it's got it's got this needs to be tighter it's just got to be tighter i've got seven more previews left so yeah, we're well, fine but good. it's got to be tighter i've got to remember the script which i completely went out of my head today but i mean this is no, no words for a podcast is it really my middle
2: child looks a lot like me but you know my husband's danish so they look like Fair Italians, these kids. They don't look Indian, they don't look Danish. And the middle one has started looking a lot like me, right? So she came back. that I, darker complected then? No, no, no. no oh, her features finished. are like yeah. mine, she's very fair. So my mother walked in, like from the airport, walked in the door, and she saw her, and she, you know, she's 12, and she said, Oh my god, blah, blah. And I said, Look, mommy, she looks like me. And my mom looked at her and said, No, no, I must bring some charcoal and put on her, then <laughs> she'll look like you. And my daughter, who's 12, in English, was like, Oh, you didn't just say that. Language. But all I said to my daughter was, she's, she's from India, you're allowed to say that. So, was that a horrible thing to say?
3: No, not at all. I've just done an hour show about all the stuff my mother says to me. When I get on stage in India and I talk about the three problems my mother had in getting
2: me married, you get two responses. You get older men, no, you get all men saying, your height, look at your height. How are you very aren't you? Yeah, for an Indian especially. Yeah all of the older Indian women say, is is, is it your complexion?
3: Well, I've had the fat thing all my life.
2: This time we'll talk, that's a very good, oh my
4: god. Look at that, I'm 72! I love doing actions. but I think it's it's the last kind of taboo that people think they can say whatever they want to overweight people.
3: There is nothing my weight stops me from doing, and I will not hear it from anyone else that I am stocked with anything with the way that I look, because I'm not. I am fit, I'm happy, like, I did yoga today, I, I was sweating the least out of everyone. I, there's nothing wrong with me at all. I'm just big. I am not a strainer on the NHS. I might have done a scissor kick and damaged my ACL, doing a scissor kick to PJ Duncan sets Get Ready to Rumble, but that was a, 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 a thing that David Beckham's also done. He's also damaged his ACL. Granted, he didn't go to the NHS and get it sorted out. He had loads of money, but where did he get that money from? From taxpayers. So technically, me and David Beckham are the same, and he's not fat. Hello, it's me. The story at the end's great though, that one where you, the oh my
2: friend. god! Adele. Oh my God, I was, I was literally, I was holding Mary's arm like, no, no. She's
3: like, it's a true story. It's such a good story. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet But oh, the well, better for
4: you not getting to see her, though.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The day I meet her. I ate one day that like, I'm on Graham Norton's couch. Well,
4: you'd be disappointed when you meet her, though.
3: Yeah, <laughs> She apparently she really likes being the funniest person in the room, so I don't think we'll get on.
4: There's such a difference between us. Do you think people just laugh at her stuff anyway because she's a dad? So yeah. kind of, oh my God! Where am I?
3: Yeah, that's what Jack. <laughs> because Glast-
4: Glast- really Glast- me. I, I found out I couldn't watch it. I was watching a little bit I can't watch you swear anymore. You're demented. <laughs> People on the
2: podcast could see Mary's expression when she delivers these lines. They're just so. I don't know what the word is. She's demented. She's demented. Adele's she demented. This smile.
3: I think she should get a quote for a poster from you. Like, you're demented. demented. Yeah. Mary, she's demented, Mary Stop
4: with the Tourette's. You're upsetting me, Adele. for everything that Because you think her voice should sound different. Her speaking voice is always a surprise when you.
3: Alright, nice.
4: Do you know what I mean? But her yeah, singing yeah. voice is beautiful, so it doesn't sound anything like her regular voice
3: voice. But it also means, technically, if her real voice is her speaking voice, it means that her singing voice is pretentious. That's what it means. Because if she... Well, She'd be she she to Eliza Doolittle, well, like, all I want is a room somewhere. That would basically be her singing voice. If she was true to herself, she wouldn't sing like an American. Yeah, so she sounds very so American. She's pretentious. Yeah. That's what that is. That, like, it's it's an undeniable truth. Please don't put this on the internet. I'm sorry, Adele, (laughs) I really love you. And if we ever met, we're gonna get on so well, we can share clothes. wristband? Where do you... Is this, this is for, where... This, it's getting this, this is in. This, this is getting in. Is it's getting in. In a festival here. Anyone ever says to me who, who do you think is the best stand-up comedian on the circuit? I think Mary is. I've, ne- I've seen you loads of times. I've never seen you die or anything. And Mary helped me win Funny Women as well. Yeah. So I won Funny Women in 2014. Yes. And Mary got in touch with me and she said, Well, write out what you're going to say. So I wrote it out, and then I sent it to her, and she sent it back to me with, like, red all over it. I'm like, Just no, get rid of that. No, no fluff, no, fluff, fluff, get rid of that, get rid of that. She tightened it up, and I had this short set, and I won Funny Woman with it. That's because of Mary. Because it's too
4: much waffle.
3: Too much waffle, yeah. I think we're going to get locked in here
4: or something. We'll be Why? It's open. like an night, like, Christie novel. So someone's going to get murdered What's this room? room. Guys, you
3: don't see it, but the room that we're in right now is, like, oak walls and, like, long drapey curtains. How did you get into
4: comedy? I did a workshop and thought, oh, this looks...
3: Interesting. In London?
4: Yeah, yeah.
3: What were you doing? You're Dr. Mary Burke, aren't you? What are you doctoring? American history. Are you? I have a thesis
4: on the Irish contribution to the Civil War effort in the South. So. Irish people who went and fought yeah. for the wrong side, the Confederate side. It's fascinating, it's really interesting. I should do a really tedious Ember show. <laughs> I don't know why, <laughs> Dr. Mary Burke. Yeah, no, we don't use an academic title on stage, it's a bit cheesy. Well, you do if it's a show, because then that's funny. Yeah, probably. But One day. Can I? It's on my waitress card, so I make sure I kind of see a fucking deal. <laughs> so with you're your not you're card. not
3: Mrs. Mary Burke at all. You're Dr. Mary Burke.
4: Well, I'm married, but I'm not. But you're
2: married, Mrs. Mary kept You're my
3: name. you're a doctor, so you're Dr. Mary Burke. Yes. Well, it should be on all of your cards. No. Well, in Bowden, I'm like Commodore Mary Burke because you
4: get to choose <laughs> the doctor. But <laughs> so <if> they <laughs> sold <laughs> my name on to other men. How would Commodore Mary Burke's been really busy this month? <laughs>
3: sometimes I'm Senator Jade Adams but you know uh, I named my cat Senator Augustus Aloysius Fabergé because I thought are you still
4: living with all the chefs
3: no well one of the girls has moved out she's got her own place and a guy called Dave moved in I live in shared accommodation because I'm smashing life real well Uh, one of them is a chef one of them is the events organiser for the Royal Opera House and then another person which is random and handy for me Um, and then Dave he's a sports presenter for who? Uh, for he He's going to Rio in August. And he's in a flat share.
4: Yeah. No disrespect for I me. Mean, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Was he saving I money don't for... know how any of
3: us, I'm not, like, I don't know how, we all look at each other and we're like, why are we all in flat share? None of us know why we haven't got our own place. Because it's so expensive though, isn't it? You? Know. You've just witnessed comedy being made, <laughs> podcasters. Do you
2: have any other questions? We're just sent- <laughs> She's just staring at us like we're from the moon.
0: Hello, I'm Jonathan Wakeham. I'm the co-founder of LOCO and the LOCO London Comedy Film Festival. Can
1: you tell me a bit about how this festival came about?
0: I was with my friend Denise, who's the director of the festival, and she'd been restoring a cinema and wanted to show some films while it was being restored, which was going to take many years. And the conversation really began with us saying, well, what's, what's necessary? What use can we do? I mean, there are 70 film festivals a year in London alone, so it's not as if London needed another film festival. But what we felt was that comedy as a, as a style of filmmaking tends not to happen in film festivals. Film festivals tend to celebrate the, the big, grand art men of cinema, and comedy tends not to get much of a look in or it's put somewhere to the side or at two in the morning. And comedy films also tend not to get a lot of critical acclaim. They tend not to win awards. You know, the list of great comedy actors who've never won an Oscar, I mean, it's shocking, it's Cary Grant, it's Peter Sellers, it's Gene Wilder, it's Richard Pryor, it's Bette Midler... You know, it, 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 so it's very, very rare for a comedy actor to win a major acting award. So we felt a film festival that celebrated original, bold cinema comedy filmmaking would be a, a useful kind of a useful addition to the scene. And also, we really wanted to, I guess, give a platform for British independent comedy filmmaker. British independent comedy films are hugely successful at the box office when they're given an opportunity. So audiences love them. I mean, if you think about Submarine, think about Full Monty, um, think about, you know, right back to Four Weddings and a Funeral. You know, audiences love independent British comedy films, but many of them don't really break through because they're competing against much, much, bigger budget, better marketed films, and so they can slightly fall through the gaps. The thing that I'm most pleased with, I guess, is I feel like we've built now a network, community, a family of British comedy filmmakers.
1: That sounds amazing, and you've recently had a very exciting development within your programme, haven't you?
0: I'm so excited about this. Yes, it's the Betty Box and Peter Rogers comedy writing programme. And it came about because the Cinema and Television Benevolent Fund, which is a, a charity for people who worked in the industry, came to us and said, we have some money. It's the legacy of Betty Box and Peter Rogers, who were a couple. Betty was the producer of the Doctrine House series. Peter was the producer of the Carry On series. And they left this extraordinary creative legacy, but also, fortunately, a... Financial legacy that's funding the award. And they said to us, What's the most useful thing that we can do for British comedy filmmakers? And we said, I think a writing development fund is the most useful thing we can do. Because development money is very hard to find in the industry at the moment. It's basically the money that you spend to get a script from an idea to a script that's ready to finance fund, shoot, so there's actually not very many people have that that sort of money but actually it's the most in in terms of return on investment, that's probably the most useful money there is because actually a few thousand pounds is enough for a writer to spend a good, solid amount of time maybe working with a producer or with a script editor to develop a script to the, the point where it it's, you know, really to be a really good film. You know, Four Weddings and a Funeral famously was 40 drafts. You know, so this takes a long time. is more difficult to develop than any other type of film because you have to do all of the things that every other film does in terms of story and structure and character and then you have to make it funny. So writing a comedy is 150% the job of writing any, any other kind of film. So we now have four £10,000 awards for undiscovered comedy writers. You know, that's a balance of men and women and trans writers. The purpose of the £10,000 is to give you time and space to write. So you can spend that on rent or on babysitting or on not not doing your job for a day a week for a certain period of time. That's that's what it's there for. But it's there to give you time to write. By undiscovered, what we mean is people who've been writing comedy for a while. They might be stand-ups who want to move into TV or film. They might be people who are very good on Twitter. They might be people people who do a podcast. They might be people who've just been working in a cinema but quietly writing in their bedrooms at home and have an idea they want to develop. We're looking for people from right across the country. We want a really widespread of ages and genders, ethnicities. We want people with interesting stories to tell. And I think very often comedy can feel like it's written by people who don't necessarily have interesting personal stories to tell. And I think that's the great opportunity of this award, is to look beyond the kind of traditional circles for comedy talent. And, you know, I think I'm really aware that this year, you know, this has been a, a terrible year. We've lost... Victoria Wood and Carolina Hearn. You know, two people who I think are perfect examples of people who brought a different, very distinctive, very personal, very individual voice to comedy. And if we could find, you know, some more Carolina Hearns and Victoria Woods, I'd be I'd be thrilled. And so what, what happens over the course of the programme is that they will have a script editor to work with. They'll have some help and support from Loco to introduce them to people who might help them build their careers. And then they'll be developing one either film script or television comedy idea over seven, eight months that will then have a reading, a kind of cast reading, at the next Loco Comedy Film Festival in uh, spring of next next year. And so that reading will be performed by... uh, kind of great cast to an industry audience to be a real kind of showcase for their for their work the films we look for are films we well we talk about the wizard of oz strategy so we want films that have brains and heart and courage so we always want to find films that are intelligent have got something to say have got heart so they've got characters that we really care about they've got emotions that mean something and Courage is about, I guess, being cinematically, creatively, artistically daring. So we want films that are cinema-worthy and that, that kind of push comedy further. It's all about finding original comedy filmmaking. The deadline is at the end of August, so this is 26th of August, is when you need to apply by. And what you need to submit for that is either a television comedy series idea, so basically a, a kind of pitch document and five pages of script, just to check your writing, or a film idea, where, again, it's submitting a, a story outline and five pages of script just to see that you can write in a funny way. You know, we're not looking for the best crafted, most professional writing. What we're looking for is people who have a really distinctive voice, who make us laugh, who have an original take on a material and an interesting story to tell. You know, what we're looking for is just really distinctive, exciting voices who can move comedy forwards and that's what's exciting about comedy you know it's a it's a form that continually changes and it's a form that always wants new voices new ways of telling a story and that yeah you know, that's the most exciting thing for us is we don't know what's out there and this is a very rare opportunity just to say if you're out there if you can make us laugh get in touch send us your script make us laugh and we can help so if you'd like to know more about the program and find an application form the website is apply ctbf.co.uk and that's apply apply.ctbf.co.uk. All the details are there. There's an FAQ if you've got any questions about it. And make sure you get your application to us by the 26th of August. I'm so excited about it. We've had over 250 applications already, but I'd like to get it to a thousand. There's still a month to go. My name's Shane Todd. I'm first
5: and foremost a stand-up comedian. First things so I, I went to college after school, I left school um, at like 16 and went to college and I did media moving image behind the camera, and so filmmaking. After a while, I sort of started feeling a bit more confident in myself. I'd always loved stand-up comedy, so I thought, why not give it a go, just to sort of say I've done it. So when I was I think between 18 and 19 I, I did it for the first time and it was just as a hobby and, and I've been, been pretty much doing it ever since and I'm delighted that it's it's my job now and I actually do it for, for a living. I mean in terms
0: of the stand up I do it's kind of it's anecdotes first solo show I did was called Boots, because I, I couldn't think
5: of anything to call it and I just thought well what is my comedy and it's, it's, it's a series of sort of short stories and real life things that have happened. I'm, I'm probably a bit of a dry sense of humour and it's self-deprecating like that's a theme really throughout the online videos I do and what I chat about in the podcast and the stage stuff it's mainly me just taking the mech out of myself but I suppose people maybe don't want to say they have a style in case that puts them in a, in a box on or, or maybe you, you think about another famous comedian who's like that then maybe judge them on that but yeah I'd say it's anecdotes and you know it's it's certainly not quick one liners I uh, have a more of a sort of a slower style my new show is called Hollywood the Hollywood and I start Edinburgh on the 2nd of August and doing some preview shows and then it really kicks off on I think it's the eighth of this month of uh, August. Sorry. So yeah, it, it can be a long month if it's not if it's not going well. I've done a couple of fringes, and um, and if it is going well, it can it can sort of fly by. So I'm really looking forward to it. I think this is by far the best shoe that I've that I've done so far. I I can't wait to do it. I have a couple of friends that are doing some shoes this year as well. So it'll be good to sort of have have them around as well for for a bit of company. This shoe is definitely different to the ones before, not just because of the the subject or the theme, but more because the shows before have been a case of me looking at my material and going, right, how can I sort of package that in a show? Whereas this one, I had the idea first, so I had the theme of the show first, and now I've been able to sort of work the material into that. So it just feels like more of a polished show without being too sort of, too sort of polished. It just feels like it's come together a lot easier for me. Um, I just think it's more of a, a proper journey. I feel like because I do stand up in Ireland, I'm based in Northern Ireland. Uh, there isn't many comedy clubs. Whenever I chat to some comedian friends from England or, or wherever, they've done a lot more previews. So I'd, I'd like to have done more at this point, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. The, the previews, of, uh, like the attendances, have been great, but that's nearly not always a good thing for Edinburgh previews because you know it's not going to be sold out every night in Edinburgh, um whereas the previews have like in in Belfast and London they they have sold out. So it would be interesting just to do the show to like five people because that that's the reality of Edinburgh. You might be sold out one night and have nobody in the next night. So the preview audiences have been lovely. So I don't know how good an indicator that is, but it's more it's i mean the previews are more for me to sort of get used to the show. I feel pretty used to it now. I'll maybe chop and change a few things but um, I'm pretty set on it right now, so the, the previews have been, have, have been good fun. So in Edinburgh, I will do 20 25 shows, or pretty much of, of stand-up, and then during the day, you can go and do spots at compilation shows during the day, where you might have five comedians on, just doing like a short preview of their show, to try and get to get people in later in the day, so I'll probably do some of that as well. The Gilded Bloom caveat, so it's, it's one of the main sort of three or four venues, and I'm on at a quarter past 10 so that's, that's every night by the 15th it's a long slog Edinburgh but I always feel better after I've done it like I feel like a better comedian every time that I do it because you're probably doing a year's worth of gigs in that month if that makes sense so the amount of stage time is just great if, if you're thinking about doing it um, you're halfway there you have the confidence they almost sort of say right this is something I want to do a lot of people just spend a lot of time wanting to do stand-up but never really saying so so by all means do it Um, and and just book an open mic somewhere and don't bring friends and family i think a lot of people do their first gig and they pack it full of friends and their friends are gonna laugh at anything so it's not a good gauge of how it's gone so i just go to a random open mic somewhere maybe not in like your hometown but somewhere quite close another bit of advice is if if you if you are getting into stand-up and you've been doing it don't be you know Expecting to either make money anytime soon from it, or be doing like an hour-long solo show. I, I, I've been doing stand-up for six years before I did my first hour-long show, and I know a lot of people are ready for it quicker than that. But I would just take your time and not rush into it. Just in, enjoy learning. You, you know, you, you should always like any if you're getting with someone who's been doing it for thirty years or whatever. Just listen to what they've got to say. You don't have to you know, every bit of advice you get is isn't gonna apply to you or be useful, but just sort of learn from other comedians and and really just take your time and you know, whenever you are doing a full time as a job, it can be stressful and sometimes the fun isn't always there. But whenever you're doing the open mic scene and stuff and you're playing with your friends and you're just doing five, ten minutes here and there, that that's the real fun part of it. So just I guess just take the time to enjoy that. just sort of jaded with uh, the careers associated with it. But whenever we filmed that in just like a park in Belfast, there were a lot of people out hunting Pokemon who sort of stumbled across us and didn't really know what, what, what the make of it. Was, it was funny seeing their faces, but it's good fun. Like, you know, I'm not, my brother's like 14. He's big into properly collecting Pokemon. So it's more having a laugh with those people as opposed to laughing at them because then know plenty of people who should know better but are out sort of in fields at night trying to find Pokemon. So yeah, that was, that was good fun. <laughs> Destiny. I live kind of in the countryside, so my signal is <laughs> isn't good enough. But I don't have the 4G required once we get sort of like a good good source of electricity in the local area. Maybe in like 10, 12 years, whenever nobody plays it anymore, I'll go catch all the Pokemon that nobody's catching anymore.
1: You've been listening to Herd on Hive.
0: Herd on Hive. Herd on Hive.
1: Remember to tweet us at We Are Hive and let us know what you think of our podcast. Shh.